0: This hideous murder accomplished, I set myself forthwith and with entire deliberation to the task of concealing the body. I knew that I could not remove it from the house, either by day or by night, without the risk of being observed by the neighbors. Many projects entered my mind. At one period, I thought of cutting the corpse into minute fragments, and destroying them by fire. As another, I resolved to dig a grave for it in the floor of the cellar. Again, I deliberated about casting it in the well in the yard, about packing it in a box, as if merchandise, with the usual arrangements, and so getting a porter to take it from the house. Finally, I hit upon what I considered a far better expedient than either of these. I determined to wall it up in the cellar, as the monks of the Middle Ages are recorded to have walled up their victims. For a purpose such as this the cellar was well adapted; its walls were loosely constructed, and hath lately been plastered throughout with a rough plaster, which the dampness of the atmosphere hath prevented from hardening. Moreover, in one of the walls was a projection, caused by a false chimney or fireplace, that had been filled up and made to resemble the rest of the cellar. I made no doubt that I could readily displace the bricks at this point, insert the corpse, and wall the hole up as before, so that no eye could detect anything suspicious. And in this calculation I was not deceived, By means of a crowbar I easily dislodged the bricks and, having carefully deposited the body against the inner wall, I propped it in that position, while with little trouble. I relayed the whole structure as it originally stood. Having procured mortar, sand and hair with every possible precaution, I prepared a plaster which could not be distinguished from the old, and with this I very carefully went over the new brickwork. When I had finished, I felt satisfied that all was right. The wall did not present the slightest appearance of having been disturbed. The rubbish on the floor was picked up with the minutest care. I looked around triumphantly, and said to myself, Here, at least, then, my labor has not been in vain. My next step was to look for the beast which had been the cause of so much wretchedness, for I have, at length, firmly resolved to put it to death. Had I been able to meet with it at the moment, there could have been no doubt of its fate. But it appeared that the crafty animal had been alarmed at the violence of my previous anger and forbore to present itself in my present mood. It is impossible to describe or to imagine the deep, blissful sense of relief which the absence of the detested creature occasioned in my bosom. It did not make its appearance during the night, and thus, for one night at least, since its introduction into the house, I soundly and tranquilly slept. I slept, even with the burden of murder upon my soul. The second and the third day passed, and still my tormentor came not. Once again, I breathed it as a free man. The monster, in terror, had fled the premises forever. I should behold it no more. My happiness was supreme. The guilt of my dark deed disturbed me but little. Some few inquiries had been made, but these had been readily answered. Even a search had been instituted, but of course, Nothing was to be discovered. I looked upon my future Felicity as secured. Upon the fourth day of the assassination, a party of the police came, very unexpectedly, into the house, and proceeded again to make rigorous investigation of the premises. Secure, however, in the inscrutability of my place of concealment, I felt no embarrassment whatever. The officers bade me accompany them in their search. They left no nook or corner unexplored. At length, for the third or fourth time, They descended into the cellar. I quivered not in a muscle. My heart beat calmly as that of one who slumbers in innocence. I walked the cellar from end to end. I folded my arms upon my bosom and roamed easily to and fro police were thoroughly satisfied and prepared to depart. The glee at my heart was too strong to be restrained. I burned to say if but one word by way of triumph, and to render doubly sure the assurance of my guiltlessness. gentlemen. I said at last, as the party ascended the steps, I delight to have allayed your suspicions. I wish you all health and a little more courtesy. Bye-bye, gentlemen. This! This is a very well-constructed house. In a rabid desire to say something easily, I scarcely knew what I uttered at all, I may say an excellently well-constructed house. These walls are you going, gentlemen? These walls are solidly put together, and here, through the mere frenzy of bravado, I wrapped heavily with a cane which I held in my hand upon the very portion of the brickwork behind which stood the corpse of the wife of my bosom. But may gold shield and deliver me from the fangs of the arch No sooner had the reverberation of my blows sunk into silence. Then I was answered by a voice from within the tomb, by a cry, at first muffled and broken, like the sobbing of a child. And then quickly swelling into one long, loud and continuous scream, utterly anomalous and inhuman, a howl, a wailing shriek, half of horror and half of triumph, such as might have arisen only out of hell conjointly from the throats of the damned in their agony and of the demons that exult in the damnation. Of my own thoughts it is folly to speak. Swooning, I staggered to the opposite wall. For one instant, the party upon the stairs remained motionless through extremity of terror and awe. In the next, a dozen stout arms were toiling at the wall. It fell bodily. The corpse, already greatly decayed and clotted with gore, stood erect before the eyes of the spectators upon its head with wrath extended mouth and solitary eye of fire sat the hideous beast whose craft had seduced me into murder and whose informing voice had consigned me to the hangman I had walled the monster up within the tomb.